So when I thought of a, st- a passage that I wanted to look at, um, I, I started thinking about something I was meditating on earlier this summer. It was in 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is a, is a book that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And uh, really the first five chapters, as I, I just kind of read it a few times as I was preparing for this, and I see this uh, kind of theme that weaves throughout, especially the first five chapters. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that, just give us just a little bit of context, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, and then I'm going to focus on a passage uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. That's what we're going to be studying. But let me just blitz you through Corinthians right now. So 1 Corinthians, it talks about this, this concept of God has comforted us, so now we can comfort others. It's this beautiful idea that with a comfort that we've received from God, now we can actually give that away to other people. So it's we receive and then we give away. Right? And then chapter 2, it talks about this uh, concept of aroma. We are the aroma of Christ. God is using us to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. So do you guys know that as you guys walk out of here, you guys are an aroma of Christ? If you have Christ in you, that you, you are the fragrance of Christ. And it says that some find it a sweet smell and love it. Others find that it's the smell of death. Chapter 3 talks about how God has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. You see, Paul was in a time where Judaism was one of the major religions, and Moses brought this uh, covenant of the law that brought death, right? If you lived under the law, that you did not match up. And God and Paul actually says, hey, now that Jesus has come, now we are ministers of the Spirit, of freedom, of, of forgiveness of sins. And so he's made us competent to do that. And then in chapter 5, the, the 13 verses right before our passage, Paul starts dwelling on heaven. He says, I can't wait to get to heaven. But until I get there, I'm going to live my life on earth to please the Lord. And one of the ways that I do that, he says that because we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. And so that brings us up to the passage that I want to study. So that's a little bit of the context. So let's read 2 Corinthians Verses 14 through 21. It says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he is committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord. And so today I want to, from this passage, I want to answer three questions. I want to ask and hopefully answer three questions. First is, why do we proclaim Jesus? Second is, what are the things that block us 
from proclaiming Jesus? What are the things that stop us? I'm, I'm sure all of us are kind of nodding in agreement, saying, hey, there are things that kind of stop us from actually proclaiming him. And then finally, how do we overcome some of those blocks in our life? So the first thing I want to focus on, the first verse is, uh, and, and honestly, this is one of the reasons I chose this passage is because of this one word, and that word is the word compel. In verse 14, it says, For Christ's love compels us. Have you experienced the love of Christ in such a way, the forgiveness of Christ in such a real way, the freedom that we have now in Christ in such a way that you are actually compelled to say, I want other people to know about this. I want others to experience this. Have, has your experience compelled you in that way? Let, let me tell you a little bit of my story. So I, I grew up in a Christian home. Like my parents, they taught me well from a young age, but uh, you know, I, I, I did not live it. You know, I, I, I call it self, I, I lived in with masks. To my parents and my church, I looked like good Christian Phil. But then in school and with my friends, I, I put on a whole nother mask. I was almost more who I was. That's the way I acted more of the time. And the thing that, that kind of gripped my life, I call them the five major sins that gripped my life. And I've identified those. I, as I've been reflecting this past week, I was like, Lord, what was I enslaved to? And here are the five. First is pornography. I was introduced to pornography late in middle school. And then basically throughout a couple years of high school, that was an addiction of mine. And honestly, it, just to say it in front of you, it's, it's, I, thankfully I have freedom in that. But it, I'm, I, I regret deeply what I exposed myself to as I looked at pornography. But that was, a, that was something that had a grip on my life. Second thing was cursing. I had no control of my tongue. I could not tame my tongue. I guess I could in front of my parents. I didn't swear. But in front of my friends and on the sports field, whatever, I, I, was, I would curse all the time. Third sin was alcohol. I had no idea what it, what it meant to uh, drink in moderation. So if I had access to alcohol, the goal was drunkenness. It wasn't in moderation. Fourth was I, I didn't honor my mother and my father. They're in the back there. They know these stories, but I didn't honor them. I still, I, now that I'm a parent, I regret. I'm like, Ava, Hannah, honor me, please. <laughs> But I didn't do it, and, and you know, I, I wasn't honest with them about what was going on in my life. And then finally, just my career ambition, I, I was just like, I want to make as much money as I can, as fast as I can, so I can just live this amazing life. That was my perspective in high school as I thought about college. And one of the, just a picture I want to give you guys is I, I just had a picture of the devil. He was grabbing me by the throat and just shoving me up against the wall, just pinning me there. And I was literally a slave to these things. I could not get free from them until Christ came into my life in a real way. And so what happened when I was going into my senior year of high school, I got invited to go to this uh, Christian leadership program. Again, I totally faked out my youth pastor, and he nominated me for this thing. And so I show up, and I'm like totally a fake, but I get there, and there's all these kids my age who are like the first day we did worship, and they were like, just like worshiping someone like they really meant it. And I had never experienced that before. And so seeing these kids, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. What's going on? And then they also, they gave us an hour every day to read the Bible. And they said, hey, here's what you're going to read, and this is what you're going to reflect on. It was the first time in my life that I really read in a meditative, devotional way. 
And miraculously, somehow, those two things happened that month. And that is what changed my life. I just, I remember, it wasn't even a a one-time event, but it was just like this, over the course of the month, I was like, wow, Jesus, I really do want to live for you. I do really want to live submitted to you in everything. And so, uh, miraculously, from before that, I had the five sins that gripped me after that month, ripped out of my life, completely taken away. And I just picture, again, the devil pinning me up against the wall. I just picture Jesus grabbing him, throwing him off, looking me in the eye and saying, okay, now you're going to follow me. And that's what I did. And that was 12 years ago. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I think about my life. I'm, a, I'm 30 years old now. I would be a destructive force in this world if those five sins still gripped my life. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, that is not my story. And so I'm, I'm saying to you guys, do you have a story that compels you to want to share Jesus with other people? Reflect on your story. That's what I did this past week. I just, I went deep into my story and said, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. So the first thing, the first why of why we proclaim Jesus is we have to be compelled. We have to have a compelling reason or story in our own lives that we are compelled to share Jesus with others. Second reason of why we proclaim Jesus, and this is very clear from the text, is that God has called us to do it. He's, I love the word actually, he's invited us to do it. He said, hey, I want to use you guys in order to spread Jesus. Let's look at verses Eight, seven, uh, let's see, 18, 19, and 20. So it says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And just a quick word on what, what is reconciliation. We were once, God made us to be in relationship with him. We see that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They were close in relationship, but through sin, through the fall, They were kicked out of the garden, so there was separation from God. And so it says in the Bible that we became enemies of God. But then, through Christ, through the forgiveness of sins, God actually draws us back to relationship. Now he sees us as perfect. I'm going to talk about this later. And that is what reconciliation, two enemies who are at peace, two enemies who become friends. And that's what happened with us and God. So he is, it says that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what is the second reason why? It's because God has asked us, God has invited us to be his ministers, and he wants to partner with us in that. I have just a a simple illustration uh, to share. So when I was 10 years old, I had an obsession with chainsaws. They're loud. They smell like gas and oil. They cut down trees. They're dangerous. They were awesome. They're, They're just amazing. How many guys? Come on, chainsaws. They're cool. My dad is a woodworker, and and so he would often go out into the woods, and he would cut down trees in order to actually work on them. And he would invite me along. He said, hey, come along, watch me. And so I'd go and watch my dad as he cut down his trees. But I remember 10, 11 years old, I forget exactly when, I remember the first time that dad said, all right, Phil, it's your turn. Get over here. And so dad, he he gives me the chaps, chaps are the things that cover your legs to protect against kickback. He puts little earmuffs on me. Gives me eyeglasses to cover my eyes. 
And he says, all right, we're going to go out and we're going to cut down a tree. And so dad carries the chainsaw out, picks the tree. He's like, all right, here you go. Phil, you're going to stand right here. Okay, I'm going to hold the saw. You're going to stand right in, in between my legs. And all I want you to do is grab the trigger and pull it. All right, so I tried it a few times. It's amazing if you haven't done it. But then he said, okay, here's the deal. Once I say pull that trigger, you're going to pull the trigger and you're just going to hold it, all right? So dad goes ahead, sets up the saw perfectly, has me in between his legs. He's carrying the weight of the saw. And then he goes, all right, three, two, one, pull. I pull the trigger right through that tree. Thing falls down. That was the day I became a man. <laughs> Thing just fell. It was amazing, the power of seeing that chainsaw work. And I remember I went home and I'm like, Mom, I just cut down my first tree. And I just picture, you know, mom and dad kind of chuckling. You, and, they, you know, I didn't really cut down the tree. I did maybe 1% of the work, right? Dad gave me the equipment. Dad picked out the tree. Dad held the weight of the saw. Dad picked the angle to cut it at. All he said was go ahead and pull the trigger. I just feel like this is a simple invitation from God in the same way, saying, hey, would you guys just pull the trigger? He just wants us to go out and pull the trigger. He is doing the work. You know what I mean? God is, is moving people's lives. He's choosing people. He's just saying, hey, would you be willing to partner with me? And so that's our invitation of why. Why do we proclaim Jesus? Because God has invited us to pull the trigger with him. So, hey, we're compelled. The love of Christ is real. We've been invited, but I'm, I'm, I know in my own life, I know these things, but yet still something stops me. Something blocks, I, I call it little blocks, and I was just reflecting this week on my own stories, and I said, what are some things that block me from actually proclaiming Jesus? Even though I know these things, even though I, I know the love of Christ, even though I know God's invited me, what actually stops me? And I felt like three things came up. One was fear, two was unbelief, and three was shame. Fear, unbelief, and shame. These are the things that blocked me. So let's talk about fear. You know, I was in Starbucks just the other day. Maybe, you know, two weeks ago. I'm just prepping for this actual sermon. You know, I'm supposed to be living out this proclamation idea if I'm going to be preaching on it, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm reading the book of Acts. And I love the book of Acts. And I'm sitting there reading. I'm just, I'm firing myself up. Like, I I like to motivate myself. So as I'm sitting there, I'm like, we're going to do this. This is going to happen. Brighton's going to be changed. Faith groups are about to start. Let's go ahead and do this thing. Fire myself up. And, and in the midst of me, you know, getting so stoked, I just felt like the Lord was like, hey, why don't you look, look up? I look up, and there's a Starbucks worker. It was basically just me and him in the, in the whole store. I just felt like the Lord was like, hey, why don't you go and talk with him? Little nudge from the Lord. And, and guess what happened? Fear shoots up in my heart. And it's like, no, that would be awkward. <laughs> no, he's going he's gonna to think I'm crazy. No, I don't even know what I would say. I would just bumble my words. The fear of man gripped me. The fear of rejection gripped me. The fear of looking like an idiot just washed over me. And I didn't do anything. I just left. I was like, see you later. Thanks so much. Free coffee. And that's what I said to him. How about unbelief? Again, a couple weeks ago. Everything seemed to happen a couple weeks ago. Right as I'm preparing for this sermon. Lord, 
And, and I'm with my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law. So I'm not even talking about a stranger. I'm talking about my family. You know, I care deeply about this man. He's not walking with the Lord right now. And he has got chronic knee problems. And he's sitting there in the, in the kitchen one day, and I'm sitting with him, and he's like icing his knee. And guess what happens in my heart? I'm like, today's the day. He's going to get healed. I'm going to pray for him. He's going to get healed. He's going to give his life to Jesus. Our family dynamic is going to be amazing. We're going to do like worship in the, the kitchen together. It's going to be awesome. And right after I start thinking these things, what comes up? Unbelief comes and blocks me from saying anything. Because what I said in my head was this. Hey, Phil, you've done this before, but nothing has happened. You've prayed for people and to be healed, and you haven't seen anything. You know, your brother-in-law, he's, he's not really interested. He's expressed that he's not interested in this. Don't do it. And so I didn't. I didn't have I, I kind of missed that opportunity. And there's shame, and this is a real one. This is, this is going to hit us. How many times have we potentially been in sin or, or sinned? And then we think about, hey, how can I actually share Jesus with someone if I'm dealing with this? I'm dealing with this problem. I can't tell, you know, someone else about Jesus. That is shame that comes over my life. Even, I almost felt shame in coming and preaching today and saying, hey, you really living the life of proclaiming Jesus? That's just shame that comes over us. And so these are just three things. There might be more. There probably are. But I'm sure you can at least resonate with one or two of them. I, I have all three of them. And so we've got to talk about now. The last question is, how do we get over these blocks? How do we overcome these things? How do we overcome fear, unbelief, and shame in order to be ones who do proclaim Jesus? And first, I'd love to look at this text, and then second, I want to take us to the book of Acts briefly just to give us uh, an encouragement. But this is how we are to overcome these blocks. First, it starts with understanding again our identity in Christ. You know, I felt like this was the theme, unbeknownst to me, of worship today, was just our identity in Christ. And this is what it means. Two verses from this passage are key, significant verses for me in understanding the identity in Christ. So here we go. Verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What I believe this is saying is God is looking at us and says, Once we receive Jesus, our secret and shameful ways and our old way of living, he doesn't see that anymore. He says, no more to that. He says, you are now a new creation. You are in Christ. I see you as completely pure and new. That is how he sees us. And the second verse goes right along with it is verse 21. It says this, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. I see Jesus, God is looking at us and he takes our sin places it on Jesus, and he says, now I see you as the righteousness of God. So how does this have to, what does that have to do with proclaiming Jesus? Well, guys, there's no space for the fear of man in our lives. When we understand how much our our Heavenly Father loves us, and how much he is working through us and with us, and how much we have to fear the Lord instead of fearing man. There is no space for unbelief in our lives. When we can look at our own life and say, 
wow, I've been radically transformed by Jesus. Miracles have happened in my life. How can I not believe that they're going to happen in someone else's life? Shame. This is the easiest one. Be gone in Jesus' name. He sees you as a new creation. He sees you as the righteousness. If you are in Christ, news flash. He sees you as righteous. He doesn't dwell on every single sin that you have. He doesn't view you as that. Yes, we sin. Yes, we, we, uh, there's conv- the confession, repentance that's needed. But God doesn't dwell on those things. He says, I don't see those anymore. I place those on Jesus. You are now a new creation. So we need to receive again uh, our identity in Christ when we think about being people who proclaim Jesus. The second thing we need to do is this. I was talking with Leslie just this week. Leslie's my wife. And I was like, Les, what did, what did you do? Or what do you do when you just feel like you can't proclaim Jesus to people? And she was like, well, you just, I just pray over myself. I just lay my hands on myself and I pray over myself. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That is what we're supposed to do. And you know, it reminded me, I just did uh, this word study in the book of Acts on the Holy Spirit. I just, and, and if you want to be encouraged... Do this. Note every time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts and study that verse and see what happens. But 53 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts. Ten of those times, so roughly 20%, the Holy Spirit is given or comes upon somebody and then immediately preceding that, they proclaim Jesus in the face of opposition or they see a family or an individual come to Christ. Ten times immediately preceding any proclamation is an infilling of the Holy Spirit, it says. And so simply this, guys, we need to be filled again, afresh, anew, with the Holy Spirit if we're to be ones who proclaim Jesus. And so as the band comes up, we're just going to take some time to respond right now. And the two responses are this. I want to give very specific responses is one, I just want you to just to think right now. Hey, what are some of those blocks that come up in my life? Now, is it fear? Is it unbelief? Is it shame? What are those things that come up in your life? And how we want to pray with you that you might receive again your true identity. Guys, we need to be renewed every, like all the time, just understanding our identity in Christ. We forget it. That's the reality. And so we're going to pray over you and just say, hey, we're going, to, we're going to drive out those fears. We're going to drive out unbelief. We're going to drive out shame out of your life. We're going to receive again your identity in Christ. So we're going to have people up here praying. And then the second thing is this, is that, guys, we need to be filled again afresh with the Holy Spirit in order to walk out in boldness. You see, the Holy Spirit comes on a believer at the point of conversion, at the point of saying, Jesus, I give you my life. You've, you've, give, you've taken my sins. But so many times in the book of Acts, we see that, again, they needed a new, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in order to live like Jesus did. And so that's what we're asking for. We're asking for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in order for us to be influences out in this world. So those are the two responses. Hey, if you are a faith group leader, if you are... You know, an elder, if you're someone in the church who feels competent in prayer, we want you to respond. Anybody who's responding, come and pray over some of the people that are responding. Let me just pray for us, and then we'll go right into response. Jesus, we thank you that we just receive again our identity in Christ. We are free from sin. We 
you're free from condemnation. Your love compels us to live for you, live, live with you, to proclaim you amongst this world. And so, I, Lord, I'm just asking, Lord, for your, you to compel us as we dwell on our own stories. And Lord, I'm asking for a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. We just see it so many times in Acts. And when the Spirit comes upon us, we walk out in boldness. And so Jesus, come, come and, and wash us afresh with the Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name.